everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Motherkind Podcast, the show that is going to help you navigate the massive challenges of modern motherhood with more clarity, confidence, and tons of new ideas. This week's guest says that there is no balance when it comes to paid work and motherhood, and it's aiming for that balance that really makes us feel like failures. Toby Azair is the founder of My Bump Pay and says it doesn't help us to talk about the juggle or finding balance, but instead we need to be talking about the blend. And the blend is unique to each of us and our own setups with paid work and family life. In this episode, you are going to learn why the blend is the new idea you need to help you manage paid work and family life, how to feel more confident at work, why mothers are set up to feel like we're failing at work and failing at home, how to work out your own blend, how to ask for and get more support from your partner if you had one, and of course, Toby's gift to us all. If you loved it, please, please, please do share it and leave us a review on iTunes because it really does make a massive difference to the number of mothers we can reach with these incredible ideas. Here it is. I'm excited to tell you about this week's sponsor, which is dog food company Pooch and Mutt. And the reason I'm so excited is because Pooch and Mutt is my husband Guy's company. So we're keeping it in the family this week. I watch firsthand how much time, passion and focus goes into making Poochama products, which include food, treats and dental sticks. They're all vet recommended and formulated with natural supplements and functional ingredients, never any junk or nasties, which support your dog's physical and mental health. I would say at its core, Poochama is a health led company because Guy and the team know that what you eat affects the way you feel and they are all pretty obsessed with helping your dog feel as amazing and happy as they can be. So Pooch and Mutt offers different products to cater for various health conditions and life stages of pets such as anxiety, digestive issues, joint health, weight management, skin issues, dental health, all the way from puppy right the way through to senior. So if you want to give a food, a treat or a dental stick a try, then my very generous husband is offering 25% off for Motherkind listeners. That's 25% off online at poochandmutt.co.uk using code MOTHERKIND25. That's MOTHERKIND25 at poochandmutt.co.uk. And please note this excludes subscriptions. Toby, welcome. I'm so excited to chat this morning, particularly on this subject that I feel so passionate about, of lobbing work-life balance out the window and thinking about something much more helpful. So thank you for being here. Oh, it's an absolute honour. I mean, I'm a big podcast listener, even more so when I get to go on the podcast that I love listening to. So I'm absolutely thrilled to be here today. Oh, it's lovely to hear. You've just released a book, which is incredible. I would recommend it to everyone. I'll pop it in the show notes. But tell us a little bit of your backstory. How did you come to be the go-to expert on working motherhood and life? So back in 2017, I was the first person in my office location to go on maternity leave at a fairly sizable global organisation, but based in London, I was the first person. And I had lots of information about 
pay, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, all the logistical bits that you need. But my deep rooted fear was that I had grown this team from six people to 40 people. It was the largest team in the UK office. We were thriving. We were growing. My career was growing. And I thought, my goodness, I'm about to take this step away to do something else. I'm incredibly ambitious. How do I remain on that track to professional growth and personal growth, irrespective of having a baby? So I became absolutely obsessed with the topic of, I guess, how to make it work. How do other successful women do it? And the more I started to research the topic, the more I started to talk to my friends who were also having children around the same time, I found that I wasn't alone. And we all had these really, really big questions as I started to research, I thought maybe I could do something about it and kind of document what I'm learning on this particular journey. It took me some while because of course I had a baby. I had my son in September, 2017. So the idea kind of ruminated in my head for some time and I decided to do something about it in 2018. It first started on the premise of money, hence the title of my bump pay, because money is such an important lever in all of this as you approach your career and as you approach parenthood. And for me, I just felt like, imagine if there was all this information at your fingertips, all this knowledge that you could have whilst you're on the journey or before you embark on that journey. I just felt that women would be able to make much more empowered decisions about starting a family, raising a family, and also growing their career at the same time. What were some of the things that you found when you were doing that research? And I know you spoke to lots of women. I know you consumed all the books that exist on this. What were some of the things that you found that really surprised you that you thought, oh my gosh, I cannot believe this is not better known? I think what really surprised me was more the mindset and the narrative around having children and building your career. I think there was a lot of content out there that said, it's possible to an extent, or actually these are all the pitfalls to be weary of as you kind of go into this particular stage. I felt, why is nobody celebrating this message en masse that actually motherhood is an absolute game changer for your skills, for your efficiency, for the way that you do things. And actually you bring a different skill set to the workplace and your professional career and your home life career. And your career could be your career in the home and what that brings or your career could be your career in a corporate workspace and what that means to you. I just felt like there was this massive gap of actually telling women, you can do it. You just have to be a little bit more strategic about how you do it and how you go about it. There was just lots of rhetoric around once you have a baby, your career is doomed or your career is ever more challenging and you'll never get back to where you wanted to be before you maybe started to have children. There was lots of that. And I didn't feel that there was enough of, if you want to do it, go for it, find a way. It's complex though, isn't it? Because, you know, I think that you can do it message is important. And I think there's so many structural challenges to mothers actually wanting to do that. How do you balance that positivity and that celebration with the very real challenges that mothers who want to do paid work as well face. You know, I know Cheryl Sandberg has said, I would write lean in completely differently now. And I had Reshma Sujani on the podcast a couple of weeks ago who said, you know, we need to stop telling women that they can have it all because they can't until we change the structures of the workplace. Where do you sit with that conversation? So that conversation is actually pivotal to this journey and 
my personal story and also in the book, it's something that I don't talk about massively widely, but I definitely refer to it in the book that I definitely faced my own challenges and some of those challenges were definitely structural. So I know those challenges exist. I felt those challenges personally firsthand. And what I say is to to be aware of those challenges. And actually that's one of the reasons why I put so many different facts and figures and tips around that type of thing in the book so that you can be aware and that you can know how to potentially navigate them or where to seek further support because it can be difficult and you can't necessarily tackle all those challenges on your own so where to seek further support if you need further support on those particular challenges I think my message hopefully doesn't negate those challenges I think my message says don't automatically assume that the structural issues will mean that you can't still find something positive in your career and blending motherhood. So I think it's the assumption part that I want to remove from this narrative. Also, whilst acknowledging that those structural issues do definitely, definitely, definitely exist. But I also feel that if you are aware of those structural issues and you're aware of how to hopefully navigate some of them, not all of them. So some of those things could be making a powerful request for flexible working and what are the tips and tricks to do that then hopefully it helps you navigate them so much easier rather than finding yourself landed in a situation and you're like, I don't even know where to start. Don't even know where to go to for the help and the advice and the tips. Actually, arming women with that information beforehand hopefully empowers them into that particular stage. That's exactly my view as well. I think we have to be aware of the structural challenges so that we don't think there's something wrong with us. I think that's so important. It's not that you're failing. There are really real challenges, which mean that for many of us, you know, you just can't continue the way that you were before motherhood. And I think those structural changes are changing, but not tomorrow when you've got that meeting. So I think it's both, isn't it? It's empowering ourselves with things like your book, with those conversations, with knowing what we can do and knowing that I always say this thing, if you're finding it hard, it's because it is hard because I just see mothers finding it hard and then beating themselves up. I need to do more. I need to be more organized. I'm too scattered. I'm too, we just blame ourselves. And I think that really needs to stop. Yeah. And there's something interesting that I wrote about today in terms of piece of content. I wrote about the power of the plateau. That's a better title than actually what I called it on Instagram, but there's a power of a plateau because I think we probably get to this stage. And like you say, there are things that make it hard and there are things that are just hard about it and there's also all the structural things that make it hard but also in that as you keep parenting as you keep going to work you are building a muscle that I call the blending muscle and the consistency and the repetition of those actions actually makes you stronger and actually makes you better whilst you actually feel that you're plateauing everything you're doing is building that muscle that allows you to step into the next chapter whenever that next chapter happens, either for your personal and your professional life. So I always say to people, don't negate everything that you're doing on a daily basis. It is hard, but you're building that muscle that will enable you to do bigger and greater things when the time and opportunity comes. Yeah, I love that because it's completely unrealistic to expect that we can always be on a upward trajectory. And sometimes you know, when you throw in all the extra things that mothers have to hold, you know, we know all the statistics around us holding most of the emotional and invisible and emotional labor in the home, then plateauing is succeeding, giving everything else you've just taken on, on your plate in motherhood. And you've mentioned that word blend a couple of times. Tell us what that means. 
very much in my kind of personal journey. I remember very early on returning back to work. I was literally running through Waterloo Station. I remember it so clearly. And I could not stop the tears from falling from my face. I was thinking, what am I doing? I don't feel like I'm doing anything anything well. I don't feel like I'm really doing work well. And I don't feel like I'm really doing parenting well because I was actually running late (laughs) at that particular moment. And I was really struggling and trying to find this balance that everybody had promised me or I thought was possible. And it's that moment that I realized there isn't any balance. And what I need to do, me, Toby, I need to look at my particular situation and my particular setup and my particular ambitions and goals and what my career and what my family requires of me. And I need to take the little bits and the little ingredients that I personally need to make it work for me. Now, that blend of ingredients will be different for me than it is to the next person. And that's why I'd like to approach it as a bit of a blend. I find it more harmonious. I find it more forgiving. And I find that it allows you to have more grace for yourself. And sometimes there's a little bit more of your career in that blend. That's absolutely fine. And sometimes there's a little bit more of your family in that blend. I like to think of it as baking a cake, depending on the different type of cake that you need to make, depends on the different types of ingredients that you need to put into that cake. And that's why I really, really like to encourage families to think about it as their own personal blend. Yeah. And I think that running through Waterloo Station or running up the high street or running, you know, to the nursery doors are closing and some nurseries have late fees, don't they? And I just know so many mothers listening will relate to that moment. And if there's a mother listening who is in that place that you were in right now, she's saying to herself, I'm failing at both. I'm late for work meetings. I'm late for pickup. I'm always forgetting the school admin maybe I've got a partner who's not quite stepping up I feel like it's all on my shoulders my team at work need me she's here listening to this podcast thinking okay blend but where does she start what's the first thing that she would do I think the first thing is actually to recognize that you're doing way better than you probably think that you are doing I think a lot of that guilt comes from wanting to be perfect in all areas in all spaces and the realization that you can't be perfect in all areas in all spaces but actually what you are doing you're probably doing way more than the average and hopefully you're doing it and I know actually you're doing a really good job because your children are fed they're put to bed and they have some form of care even when you are at work and the first thing I'd probably say to that is now looking back at it, that my child is five years old, that guilt, I say guilt, and I've got kind of quotation marks going here, that we place in ourselves, again, is nonsense. And I think that's where people feel that struggle to find that blend. As I look back on it, I spoke to my son very recently and I said, oh, you know, what do you think about the book? You know, I think it's amazing. And then we started to get into this conversation and I actually realised that all those times that I thought I was working really, really hard and missing out on those moments, he doesn't remember any of it. He actually looks at me as somebody who is there for those most important moments. So I think sometimes just looking at your week or maybe looking at your month and then thinking, what are the moments where I really, really want to show up for my family or I want to show up for my career? And therefore, what are the boundaries or what are the support systems that I need to put in place to allow me to show up for that particular moment? And also, what are the crunch points that I know are crunch points and actually I need to have more grace because those moments are just difficult and I just need to appreciate that those moments are difficult. So I think really practically maybe looking at your week and maybe looking at your month. And lastly, I would say to that, don't be afraid to ask for 
help from maybe a wider network. It could be another nursery parent, for example, that you say to them, do you mind every one Tuesday a month? I know it's going to be really tight for me to get to that gate. Do you mind picking up my child and just maybe just waiting for two minutes because I will be there, but it's just going to take me two extra minutes to walk up that hill, for example. Most people are really flattered to be asked to help. And sometimes you can stretch that definition of village wider than maybe your kind of immediate partnership or your immediate household. I love being asked to help in that way. I really do. You talked about boundaries and I think that's so important. But one of the challenges that I hear time and time again from mothers who are in paid work is that they will try to set a boundary. So no team meetings after 5pm, for example. And then the CEO or the MD consistently, or maybe just a couple of times, is putting them in at 5.30. And then you're in this really tricky situation. What would you do in that situation? How would you coach someone through that if that's consistently happening in their workplace, their boundaries just aren't being respected? And again, we know this is structural because working motherhood isn't typically respected in, in the workplace. So what would someone do? It's a really good point. For me, I think all of those conversations are a matter of a bit of a negotiation. And negotiation doesn't have to be a hostile conversation. I think negotiating is finding the points that enable you to be happy with a certain scenario and the other side to be happy with a certain scenario. So I think the key to all negotiation is actually understanding the why. It's a brave conversation to have. It's a big conversation to have if it's somebody that's more senior to you. But I think you're going into that conversation with the premise that you want to do really well. You want to perform. You want to make sure that you're supporting your department or your team or your MD or your CEO. So therefore going in with the conversation to say that my working hours are X to X and I really want to make sure that I'm doing X, Y, Z to do a great job. But I'm finding that this particular meeting or this particular crunch time is challenging for various different reasons. I just want to understand a little bit more why maybe we have to have that meeting at 5.30. Is it because there's a key stakeholder, let's say, in the US that potentially needs to join that meeting? And I think once you start to understand the why, you can then present a couple of other options. I tend to find people who are more senior and have got lots of different busy things flying around in their lives like to have options because then you just help them to create the best option that works for them. And I think if you can find an option that somewhere meets in the middle, so maybe it's understanding that stakeholder in the US that also needs to be in the core actually has a gap in their diary at two o'clock. And this particular CEO that you're working with potentially also has a gap in their diary at two o'clock, or maybe it's every other week that potentially that meeting can move. So you can make it every other week rather than every single week feeling that pressure. It's just finding what are the different options to potentially meet in the middle. And then you might have other issues that you are more willing to give away. So in terms of negotiation, there may be other issues that actually that's not important to me. So I can concede on that one if actually I can have this particular boundary protected so I can get to pick up on time. So it's a little bit of a negotiation. It might be a bit of trial and error. It might be that you try that for six weeks and see how it works and get the feedback. And if it's working well, making sure that you're sharing that feedback back. But I say, try and have the conversation rather than sitting there panicking or feeling really bad about it or feeling really stuck. I will say this because it's slightly bigger than this scenario. If you feel I'm not saying this is always the solution, but if you feel that you're in an organization or a workplace that is consistently not supporting you, 
as an employee, then I think consider where you are planted. Again, you know, I've got very personal experience of being in an organization where I don't feel supported and being in an organization where I do feel supported. And the difference for me has been absolute night and day. So it is a very, very big decision to make and maybe a bit more of a long-term decision, but something to consider certainly as you look at your career and look at your life as a whole. I was thinking that as well, as we were just thinking through that example, I was thinking, gosh, I can imagine how that could be received one of two ways, couldn't it? Unfortunately, I found it easier to imagine those colleagues rolling their eyes, feeling frustrated that you were the one that couldn't make that meeting because you had to get to childcare. And I think it's such an important point thinking about, yeah, if a flower doesn't bloom, we tend to blame the environment. Whereas us, you know, mothers in paid work tend to blame ourselves. A quick word from this week's sponsor, Athletic Greens. AG1 is a green powder that you mix with water, drink every day, and it fills nutrient gaps. It promotes your gut health and supports your whole body vitality. One serving delivers a powerful blend of nine health products, multivitamin, minerals, probiotics, adaptogens, and loads more, which work together to help you feel like your healthiest self. I love working with Athletic Greens on the podcast because not only has their product transformed my health, they also care deeply about the world we live in too. So for every purchase, Athletic Greens donate to organisations helping to get food to children in need. And in 2020, Athletic Greens donated over 1.2 million meals to children who needed them. So... To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash motherkind. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash motherkind to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. What are some of the other really big challenges that you find with the blend and how can people overcome them? I think the big challenge is confidence. There's been, obviously, as you know, it's a big topic on this podcast, but also there's been lots of studies that say that one's confidence is definitely impacted in the postpartum period, especially when you think about going back to work and that can last for up to two years. And a lot of that can be linked to the fact that lots of things have changed in our personal lives. And we've also got this perception that lots of things in the workplace are changing and therefore we've been out of the workplace. So we underestimate our ability to actually step up to the plate and be able to handle those things. So I definitely think confidence is a big issue that I talk to lots of women about. And to that issue of confidence, I would say it's really important. I talk about documenting your achievements a lot, but I would almost kind of write yourself a bit of a letter or a bit of a note about you and what you've been able to do in the workplace. I'd almost write your own press release. So, you know, in industry publications there'll be a press release about maybe so-and-so has been promoted or elevated to a new role or joined a new division or has just done this fantastic thing about in business I would write your own press release about your return to work in that you want to write kind of the story of your career and all the great and amazing things that you've done potentially in your industry and all the extracurricular things that you've done in your industry to make you an absolutely outstanding person then I'd also write all the interesting things that you have done during your time off and they don't have to be big and fancy but I think even things like 
I say nailing breastfeeding, I feel like it's a massive thing to overcome. Let's say if you've had challenges with breastfeeding, it could be that you've had a house move in that time. It could be that you have moved to a new area and you've made new friends and you've built a bit of a community around you as you could have entered into that mother stage. Write those things down around maternity leave that you've really enjoyed or you reflect on really positively. And then that last paragraph, write down the things that you're really looking forward to about returning back to work in your career and actually blend in elements of things around family that you're really looking forward to in that last paragraph so you can kind of structure it maybe in three paragraphs in three ways write that press release because I think writing that is such a powerful example you'll be pleasantly surprised that a you're very qualified be that maternity leave has given you a whole new set of skills or perspective on life that has given you more clarity of purpose, more clarity of vision. And C will get you excited about what is to come. And in those moments where you have those confidence wobbles, because we all have them, I would refer back to that press release. If anything, I'd actually probably just print it out and put it where you work or maybe have it in a place in your phone that you can get to really, really, really easily and reflect back on those moments that have been huge achievements for you or have brought you joy in the journey. I mean, there's lots more that I could say around confidence. There's a whole chapter in it in the book, but I think it's really important to reflect on actually the amazing things that you've done throughout the journey. I think that's true. And I think confidence both in the workplace and at home. And, you know, we touched on boundaries in the workplace and what the culture might be there. I think it's equally important to talk about boundaries and the culture in your home. What have you seen about mothers who wanting to go into paid work, having the confidence to talk about the share of domestic labour at home, to talk about a more equal partnership. And what have you learned about that space? It's really interesting. A few men have read the book, which I absolutely love. (laughs) And the output consistently over and over again of men actually reading the book is that they've read the book, walking away feeling like they need to do way more in the home, <laughs> which is a good thing. And hopefully I'm getting the message across in a really gentle and graceful way, but they've kind of walked away thinking, right, I do need to do more at home to lessen the mental load. And I think, you know, just in the same way that we may talk to bosses and peers around our career ambitions and progressions and things like that in the workplace, I think we should be having exactly the same conversation with our partners. And it's really important to understand their career hopes and their career trajectory as well and have the conversation of, right, are we going to stagger this potentially? Is it kind of like a you go I go type of scenario or actually are we going to say no we can do it at the same time and here's how we're going to do it at the same time and the benefits and the trade-offs may be xyz but I think if we don't have that conversation we go into it with a lot of assumptions and I think those assumptions are actually what are sometimes really dangerous and can leave us feeling unfulfilled because we have these assumptions oh I thought he or she was going to do that and they haven't done that but actually if you haven't had that conversation you won't be in a place to actually talk about who is going to do that and who isn't going to do that so for me having those conversations are really important and what does your personal blend look like at home so I know people love hearing the theory but also we love hearing just the reality like did you have those conversations what does that look like for you and what's enabled you to be as successful as you have been with two children My personal blend is a mishmash of different things in different seasons. So I feel like I am definitely living the blend. So I work full time. I have my bump pay. I'm married with two children. And in full disclosure, I live very close to 
my parents, so walking distance, which is a real privilege that I know not everybody entering into parenthood has. And so I don't take it for granted. So I kind of will share a little bit about writing the book. So I wrote the book whilst still working full time. So I knew that we were going to have to get some additional support, which we did. So we had a student nanny who was amazing come and help us in the evening. So she would help once the children were back from nursery at the time and she would help with dinner time and she would help with bedtime. And I was still physically present so I could still spend time with the children, kind of giving them cuddles. But the reality of working full time and writing a book meant that I had to spend my evenings writing. And so that was what worked for us in that season because my husband was also working and kind of pushing on his career. So he definitely was incredibly, incredibly, incredibly supportive and took up most of the slack on weekends. But during the week, we had to get extra help. And now that I'm not writing the book, we do literally just do it between the two of us. We have my mum helping one day a week with pickup. So we'll look at the schedule and we'll look at the diary and say, okay, right, who can do pickup on this day and who can do drop off on this day? I'd like to say that we're really consistent and one person's doing drop off all the time and one person's doing pickup all the time. But the reality is my day looks really different every single day with my day job. There's lots of events, there's lots of client pieces. So we just kind of look at the schedule as it goes. But also I would say in that I'm really conscious about carving out time for myself. We both are. So I'll make sure that he has time to spend with his friends and I have time to spend with my friends because those are things that I know give me joy and actually give me strength. And I need those things to stay sane. So as much as we're looking at our work schedule, we're also looking at our social schedule as well. How do you find time to do that. <laughs> I'm just thinking, <laughs> I'm writing at the moment, it is my job to write. And I'm like, wow, you also have a full-time job. And now you also are making time. How do you physically do that? Are you amazing at efficiency? Are you one of those hyper-organized people? Because I know lots of people will be thinking that as they hear you. I think I'm semi-organized. I'm organized with a little bit of chaos on the fringes. Like this morning we woke up and I was like, right, workout done, because that's the only time I could do it before the kids wake up. Kids are in the process of getting done. My husband actually started them because I was running a bit behind on my workout schedule. And I asked my husband the time and I said, what's the time? He said, 7.34. So like, oh, we've got heaps of time. And then all of a sudden I find that we're actually now running late for school. So I'd like to say it's organization with a little bit of chaos thrown in but practically speaking I'd say that I'm quite ruthless with my priorities so I'm really really fortunate I work in a really great organization I have a very very supportive boss so every quarter or so we'll actually align on what our focus priorities are for that particular quarter so if any activity in the workplace doesn't align with those focuses I really don't give it heaps of love or heaps of time. And there's actually a mutual understanding between my boss and I that actually that is the way we're both going to operate. She's got two kids, she's CEO, so she's incredibly busy. So I think having that core focus of understanding means that I'm not dragged into extracurricular activities that don't actually serve that focus for that quarter. And that's in the workplace. And it's kind of similar at home as well. The stuff that I do for my bump pay practically speaking. So yeah, those are the ways that I kind of practically doing. It's just really kind of getting a good agreement on those focuses for a period of time. That's boundaries in action, isn't it? And I think if you don't have that focus at home, you know, I really have that at home. 
as well as with what I'm doing with Motherkind, then everything seems like important and an opportunity and something I should be doing. And then you do start to feel pulled in a million different directions. And that's equally as exhausting, isn't it? So I think taking that time, which can feel difficult to even get to that time to think, right, okay, what is my focus this week, this month, this quarter? And allowing ourselves to then have the confidence looping it back around to be saying, I can't do that. I can't come to that. I can't come to that birthday party because I need Sunday morning just to be in my PJs. I'm not going to. And I think people think that that's easy and it sounds easy, but it's the hardest thing in the world because the moment you say no to something, there's almost like a grief or um, there's a letting go of, I find, of what you can't do. What's your experience of that? I imagine you're very good at saying no. Do you feel guilty when you set a boundary and you have to hold it? In some ways, I'm good at saying no, and in some ways, I'm not. <laughs> and I know writing the book, I had to say no to lots of things, and sometimes those are no to spending time with my friends and family, which I absolutely love to do, but I knew I was still going to see them, but I knew I couldn't see them in the same frequency or spend time with them in the same frequency as I normally would have done. So, yes, as you kind of just described, sometimes it is saying no to that bird birthday party invitation in the same weekend that my son really really wants to go to I'll say to him look we can do one or we can do two you know which is your top priority and I'd say with that obviously my son is five so a little bit older my daughter's three so she doesn't really have a good understanding I'm bringing my son at least on that journey so he sees everything I'm doing I tell him you know today I'm mummy's in the office and mummy's coming back late or today mummy's going to pick you up and then we're going to do this particular activity he's very very aware of what my schedule looks like and therefore what we can and sometimes can't do doesn't always understand it because he's five but actually I think bringing him on that journey has been something that's really helpful for us but I do get FOMO I get professional FOMO for sure and I get social FOMO big, big, big time. But actually I realize it's better than being burnt out beyond capacity. A hundred percent. I think the thing that just really angers me is that so many of those loose connections that happen at drinks in the pub, and it doesn't affect fathers in the same way. And I just know this to be true because I've been in those corporate organizations and the dads are there till 8, 9 p.m. drinking, chatting about the next project, building those relationships. And often the mothers aren't. And that really frustrates me as a structural challenge that I think working mothers face. You're absolutely right. It's a massive, massive, massive thing. And I feel like I've been quite intentional about maybe I'd look at those after work activities or in work activities and I thought how can I maybe replicate some of those bonds and those relationships in my day-to-day so being quite strategic about the things that I get involved in that will help me to replicate some of those things that I'm maybe missing out on afterwards and actually then maybe looking at what are the things that I can attend and because they have a massive importance that ladders back to one of those focuses and if they don't then I'm not going or maybe I can't go depending on, you know, childcare, et cetera. So yeah, maybe it's thinking about how can you replicate those relationships a little bit more in your day-to-day as well. That's a good point. And what do you wish, having been so steeped in this world and this work, what do you wish that more mothers in paid work knew? I wish more mothers in paid work knew that they didn't have to be a martyr in the sense that I know everybody's situation or setup is different, but I think if you are in a partnership do not be the martyr in the sense that it could be just small things. 
if there's an option on the form to write down contact details at nursery or school, put your partner's name first. Don't automatically assume that it has to be you right there at the front foot leading the charge on every single thing that goes right or goes wrong in the home when it comes to blending child rearing and your career. Try and work as a partnership. I know it's easier said than done, but I think it's trying to remove that automatic assumption that it's me, I'm the mum, I must do it and I must do everything. Try and see if there are ways to incorporate other people to come into that equation to support you to still get some of those things done. Yeah, I think it's really, really important. And I think there's so much to unpack, isn't there, in that why we do that. And it's, you know, millennia of conditioning that we are trying to battle against. So if someone finds that hard, I think having that understanding really helps as well, doesn't it? We've been conditioned this way. And I always ask the same question at the end, which is if you could give just one gift to all the mothers in the world, what would that one gift be and why? I think it would be the gift of confidence, of really understanding your value in the home and in the workplace. There is no one like a mother when it comes to the ability to execute certain things, again, either at home and either in the workplace. And we're doing so much and we're capable of so much. But yeah, I don't feel that we really, truly appreciate our value and everything that we bring. And I'd probably extend that question and say that that value and that confidence needs to be extended to external parties, so society, workplaces, organisations, the media, the press, to really understand the value that women and mothers actually bring to society as a whole. 100%. And where can someone learn more about you, My Bump Pay, get the book? So everything is at my bump pay. So on Instagram, it's at my bump pay. And then the book can be found in all large retailers from W. Smith Waterstones to Amazon. And it's called The Blend, How to Successfully Manage a Career and a Family. Incredible. Well, thank you so much. I've read the book and I would really encourage everyone to get it whatever stage you're at there's something in there for every single stage and you've got amazing contributors including Anna Matha who's a big friend of mine in the podcast so I would definitely encourage people to check it out thank you so much thank you so much for having me so that was the episode I hope that you really enjoyed it as ever if you did please consider sharing it with your friends and leaving me a review on iTunes. It really does make a difference to the number of mums that we can reach with the brilliant wisdom of the guests I have on.